Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, our eighth grade selves finally get redemption. The power of now is my Bible. And face masks and nose strips are the only things getting us through this summer. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. Hi. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. You're so giggly. I have a very aspirational list of things to go through today. What does that mean? Is it means there a lot that of it? I want to watch more than I have watched. I've watched a lot, but there's a lot of things coming down that I really want to see. Okay. So this is, you're begin. projecting into the future of things yeah. you're excited about? Yeah. You know, I feel like we're kind of in the heat of summer and it's like I've seen a lot of stuff, but I kind of want to deep dive some things that I've been wanting to see for a while. Mm. Yeah. So that's where I'm at today. space to go into the things that like, you know, I will say it's like there's so much on TV right now. It's kind of, it feels, do you feel overwhelmed? Yep. I am really burnt out on media right now. Yeah. Not burnt out in the sense of like I want to stop and I don't want to see anything, but oh God, there is so much happening. Well, also, the summer is a time where you don't want to be inside and you, you're you not hibernating. Well, this is, I'm projecting, this is what I do. You, you're wanting to be more, you know, out and about and there's less time for your shows and mm. it becomes less of a priority. Like, I think summer movies are fun because you get that, you know, escape of something to do and it's cold and you get the popcorn. Like, that to me feels very summer is going to the movies, but you know, the binge watching, which obviously I do, you know, all day, every day and in any season is more preferable in the fall, winter, because you feel like at least, you know, I, sh- I don't need to be outside right now. It's garbage. Yeah, I feel like I'm having the opposite experience. Like, I completely really? agree. Fall, winter is the time to, like, watch a bunch of stuff. But mm-hmm. I feel like I'm watching the most right now. Yeah. And like, I feel like my evenings are spent like watching TV and just like, well, we're also in this weird time where the heat of New York is kind of unbearable. Yeah. That it's, we're, we're, and we're only, I mean, pretty early in. We haven't even hit like the real solstice yet. I mean, it's going to get hotter, I'm sure. Yeah. But that we've had a weird humidity wave, which is maybe also creating a hibernating effect. Yeah. And there's just so much to see. So I kind of feel like, you know, I feel well, like I'm not What have you been that... watching? What, what have oh you been? God, where do I even begin? I actually started a new show that I'm deeply obsessed with. Tell me. It's called Unreal. Mm-hmm. I texted you about it. You did, yep. It my is... Hulu logged me out, so I wanted to watch it for this episode, and I don't have my Hulu login, so I need to now find someone who will get me on Hulu. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I'll pray for you. Thank you. Uh, it's about, well, first of all, it's about reality shows. It's about the producers who make reality shows and the decisions they make to mess with these people's lives for the show. And I think as somebody, obviously, who loves reality, I think there, <laughs> I think I have this, and maybe we all do, this naive thing that, like, the producers have your best interest, maybe. Yikes. I never think that not about a, reality TV. You know, best interest is not the right word. But I guess the, the dark depths, and obviously this is a TV show. I mean, th- these people are monsters. Yeah. The, and, and the cool thing about the show is, you know, not only are we seeing the destructive behavior, like, 
this is pretty early on and not like too big of a spoiler, but basically somebody's parent passes away and they use that footage of them having a meltdown as like, it's like a bachelor kind of show to frame somebody else. And like, she's having a full blown meltdown about her deceased parent and they use it as like, oh, she's mad he's sleeping with somebody else. Oh my God. Like the, the level of oh. the, the knife they turn is so jarring that it's rivet. It's great television. And it's also like a, a peek behind the curtain of what it takes to kind of create these narratives and these shows and this fake sensation. And the two, the really cool thing about the show is that the two women who are the most evil are both women. And it's like the, the big boss executive producer. And then there's a producer that kind of is boots on the ground deals with the contestants. Um, and they're both garbage people. And I've never seen more complex and unlikable characters than these two women on screen. I I mean, this is beyond house. This is beyond um, even seeing like Kevin Spacey as the, I mean, it's, these women are bananas, but they're such good actresses that you're still able to kind of like them. So it is fiction. Like it's, it's, like a narrative. Yes, it's yes, not, yes. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. not like a oh, reality God, no, TV about no, no, reality no, no, TV. No. Okay. Wow. It's a great show. And there's I've heard great seasons. things about it. You, you're not the first person who's like drawn my attention to this. And I feel like I need to watch it. You know, I got to credit RuPaul because he had like the whole cast on and he's a big fan of the show. Okay. Um, and him and I tend to oversect quite a bit on the media we like, so. I love it. Yeah. What a great find. I will say Sal and I also unfortunately have started to be on the same path of like we're watching Pose together, we're watching Unreal together, and now I'm not allowed to like move, we're watching Claws together, and I'm not allowed to move forward. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When he goes to band practice, I'm like. What do I do? I'm like, you might just have to take one for the team. Oh my God. I can't wait for you. Yeah, can't wait no. for no man. No, no. So. You have to be up to date. That makes sense to me. Interesting. I need to watch Pose too. Oh, I can't wait to do a pose episode. Yeah, I'm it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I just I'm obsessed. Everyone is talking about it, and I'm just like, guys, I could guys, cry guys, just guys, thinking about it. It's so deeply emotional. I've heard. Oh, I need to get into and it's it. also like um, New York in the Christmas season, which is kind of interesting because mm. obviously it's summer. Yeah, it's, it's interesting they released that in summer. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Billy Porter. I could go on. We'll we'll do an episode about it when we're all caught up. I still have to finish it. the The finale just happened. I'm I'm behind. What are you watching this? Quite on? behind. Um, it's on FX, I believe. Listen, you know, I stole my dad's cable password. Oh right, and I can get into all the shows. Oh, so imagine God. my overwhelm, Diana. I'm I'm in FX. I've got like you know Bravo happening. I got E happening. It's all. I mean, there's a billion channels that I have now on my Roku. It's wild. Yeah, I, would I can die. see it all. That'd be too much. There's oh so much God. to see. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I've been watching Succession on HBO. You know, tell me more. So I, so to give everybody context, this is based off of, um, oh my gosh, his name just went fully out of my head. Who's the huge, who's the huge media mogul in Tony England? No. Oh, Richard Branson. No, the guy who owns all of the, he's the media conglomerate who owns like the, Newspapers, the TV He's stations. British, yes. Oh my god. 
Not Richard Branson, guys. Like Bernie Madoff is the only name in my head that's medium, not Bernie Madoff. A media man. <laughs> okay, so it's based on... Murrah, thank you. Rupert. Oh, shit. Didn't he make all of his money in, in England? Okay, whatever. It's based on Rupert, Mur- loosely based on Mus- Rupert Murdoch's family. It's not. Rupert is such a good name. Sure. <laughs> um, and it's When's the last time about... you heard someone named Rupert? I, have a, I had a friend in high school named Rupert. Did you? Yeah. He's great. Reminds me of that, uh, <laughs> sorry, the TV show. Do you ever watch, there was like a little art. Yeah, Rupert the Bear? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> continue, continue. So Succession is about uh, a dynasty family who um, they're just like huge media moguls. It's them, Facebook, and like another one. They're the top three in the world. And the patriarch who founded all of it is very ill. He's very old. And the show follows his four terrible children having to figure out like who's next to take the throne. Mm. It's very King Lear. It's very Shakespearean. Yeah. It's very dramatic. And I stop breathing in some of these episodes. And I will say that the, so HBO produced it and the trailers, I was not interested in at all. It just seemed like a really privileged white family complaining about their privilege and we were all supposed to feel sure bad for them. I wasn't sure if it was like bro-y Wall Streety. I yeah. definitely got that vibe from the trailer. For sure. And I was like, I thought it was going to be like Billions, which is a show that I absolutely yes, yes, hated. Yes. And it was actually one of my girlfriends, Alex, shout out to Alex, who said to me, are you watching Succession? And I was Mm. like, no, are you? And she was like, Diana, this show is so dramatic and it's released week to week, so you can't binge it. You can binge the episodes now because they banked a whole bunch of them, but um, it's week to week and I, every muscle of my body is so tense watching these episodes because the characters are so... They're, they're so shallow and so deep kind of all at the same time. And they do a great job of, they're all privileged kids. They're all trust fund kids. These, their dad is literally a billionaire multiple times over. Yeah. But seeing them try to navigate their own identities separate from their father is fascinating. Ken just fell out a window, guys. Ken's gone. He's gone. He's out on the streets. Um, and the daughter is a really interesting character. I've had a little bit of a hard time with her because I feel like she's very underdeveloped. They give a lot of space to the main son who wants to inherit the company. Yeah. Um, but she's interesting. She's a political strategist and she's working to get a Bernie Sanders type politician elected. Mm-hmm. And of course, this candidate flies directly in the face of everything her father is about. So yeah. you see the dad like pull the strings of like, oh, you're not going to talk shit about my family on my networks. So he won't give him any space like in the media, you just see the power that media has in in politics in this country, and I mean, it is that's why I was so calling for Oprah to buy Fox News. Somebody's got to take that whole ship down. Yeah, so Succession is something to watch. I really, really How like long are it. the episodes? They're an hour. Okay, it's a delight. Are you watching the Amy Adams show on HBO? I was just gonna name Sharper Objects as my next thing that is I've been scary? watching. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Can I watch it? Um, how scary is it? The scariest things that happen in it is I mean, it violent scary or like anxiety scary? It's anxiety scary. Okay, I think so. It's directed by that. the same guy who did Big Little Lies. Okay, and you, it feels like that a little yeah. bit stylistically. You can't be on your phone when you watch it because he does the whole like flashback scenes where you'll get a frame of a flashback. 
Mm. You'll get a second of something that happened in her childhood. You'll get three seconds of a conversation she had. Like it's all done kind of out Are of you order. It? Um, or is it still getting warmed up? It's still getting warmed up. It's based on uh, Gillian Flynn's novel, Sharper Objects, which she wrote before Gone Girl, which is kind of interesting. Did I read Sharper Objects? I don't know. I, rem- I remember when I read Gone Girl, I read about, uh, one or two other of her. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember this one. Maybe mm-hmm. I didn't. And it's Chris Messina, pa- Patricia Clarkson, and Amy Adams starring in it. And it's very dark. Like I will say, it's it deals with issues of self-harm. So can be very triggering for people. Mm. Um, and I think the violence between the women is really interesting. The way that they... I don't want to give away too much because it's, it's a mystery. But um, I think the three women are fascinating. And... I love Amy Adams. Yeah. She's so good. And she did a lot of character work for this. You can really tell that she went like all in for this. Well, I mean, I think the thing we like about her is that she's able to, she kind of has the facade of something light, but but with a, there's a history to her that's dark. Yeah. That you can feel. Yeah. Um, so this seems like a great role for her. Yeah. But it's very dark. It's very intense. It holds you and does not let you go. I think one of the things that, I'm finding watching it right now is that all the episodes are unresolved because they're all building toward something mm. happening later on. So that can be a little bit of a hard energy while you're watching to get used to is like, what actually happened in that episode though? Yeah, yeah. Um, but from the perspective of like feminism and how it, it's going to be talked about and it's how it's already being talked about, um, it's, just, it's just like they're already talking about how it's like an unlikable female lead, which mm-hmm. is so frustrating to me because it oversimplifies all the things that are happening in this character. Interesting. And Patricia Clarkson is such a wackadoo in it. She's so terrifying. And I think that people, I think what's going to torpedo HBO, if anything, is people don't really know how to deal with it because it's characters that we've never really seen on television before. So... <laughs> It has, it's one to watch because I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes. And for people who have read the book, there's a lot of conversations around um, what they've done with the characters, how much space they're not giving to the women in the TV show. And I guess in the book, it's like all centered around the three women and men get very little space in it, whereas the TV show has kind of turned that around a little bit. Um, Mm. But I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it. If you can enjoy it, I feel like. It's not one where you're like, oh, I love that show. It's, not a, it's no Mamma Mia. <laughs> no, it's not Mamma Mia. Um, but I'm kind of fascinated by it. I trust these women to like do good work. Interesting. Did yeah. you like Gone Girl? Yeah, I really liked Gone Girl. I love that it turns the like dead female, the dead, the missing dead woman, like totally on its ear because that's a trope that I absolutely hate that we are obsessed with. Yeah, I hate that trope too. I felt like it was kind of, I I have a problem with sensationalized uh, and false rape in a narrative mm-hmm. because it's so inaccurate in our society. I think it's mm-hmm. less than 2% of women actually have um, false rape narratives. And so when it's, when we see like the crazy girl mm-hmm. and I feel like that's a narrative that's like very predominant is like, Women are just crazy and they lie. Like there's such an anti-believing women that is the threat of that film. Um, I find to be hard to. Interesting. I didn't I didn't enjoy it. I took it the total opposite way of like we create 
we keep the Madonna horror complex so real in our society that missing dead girls are either one or the other. Mm-hmm. And and I don't mean to be callous by saying missing dead girls. I'm saying Gillian Flynn calls it that when yeah, she yeah. talks about the book. So she wrote the book to kind of turn that on its head. And sure. um, I think that what I appreciated in Gone Girl is that she got to be this like very complex, take back the narrative. She got to t- like take it away from Ben Affleck, who was trying to create this like grieving widow. I the, I forget the main protagonist's name, but Ben Affleck played him. She's trying to take back that narrative from him so he doesn't get to be like, oh, I don't know what happened. Our relationship was perfect. I have no idea. So that's kind of how I read it. But I can see how the crazy girl is definitely present in that story. Oh, for sure. Um, and the other thing I will shout out is Eighth Grade. The movie Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham is a delight. And it is one of my favorite movies this year. I felt like I was looking into a mirror the entire time. It just follows the story of this girl in the last month of her grade eight year. And it is so good. Mm. It was so much fun. More movies like this. Elsie Fisher plays uh, the main girl. And I just sat there like, this was my life. I have said these things to my parents. (laughs) So I really, more and more and more movies like this, please. It is so good. Um, Sandra Oh is the first Asian woman to be nominated for a Best Actress Emmy. Yep, finally. That only took so forever. So shout out to her. And um, other bit of news is New Zealand's passed the, fir- the world's first legislation granting victims of domestic violence 10 days paid leave to allow them to leave their partners and find new homes. Amazing. Which is very cool. Just two little bits of... Are you watching Killing Eve? No, I'm not. Ugh, I really need to watch Killing Eve and get up on that. It's another one on my list. I mean, there's so much to see. Yeah, it's really overwhelming these days. So much, so, so much. So hard, such a burden. Um, some news that's a little bit hard to share. They're making a Cats movie. What? Yeah. And it's going to star <gasps> Taylor Swift. Ooh. Okay, so as a Cats mega Rest fan. in peace, Cats movie. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling? How does this sit with you? I feel like you care about this so much, and I have no idea how to feel. You know, that's a great question. I'm still processing. Okay. You know, I understand why they were they would make such a casting choice. You know, she's got a lot of followers. She has a cat or two. I get it. But I don't know. <laughs> Do you know. think they cast her because of her cats? I think it's in line with her brand. Oh sure. my god, that's funny. I wonder who she'll play. I'll have to do more research. Yeah, who's the and lead? like James Corden's going to be in it. Like it's a it's a real hodgepodge of a cast. Holy. I, I I don't know. When do we go into production on this? I d- I mean, if they're announcing stars, I'm I'm assuming something's in motion. Things like that always make me so nervous because it's like they have to announce the big leads so that it can be like. You know, it can be no. an announcement. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now we have to cobble the money together to actually put this right, in production. Right. I also have this weird feeling that Lynn manuel Miranda is going to be in it, but I don't know that to be true. I feel like that could definitely be Do you know be what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Definitely be he a possibility. He could play like a magical Mr. Mistopheles or, you know, they'll give him like a solo. I can't believe you know the names. It's shocking to I me. I know the whole catalog, baby. It happens a lot on this podcast that cats <laughs> come up and I'm like, I... I feel like it was if I saw the musical when I was in th- the third grade and then I learned all the songs. It's just something that is now in my bones. I just know it. What do you like about it? 
Well, I loved cats. I mean, I grew up with cats, the animals. Okay, the an- yeah, the animals. <laughs> yep. Um, and I think when you're a young person, I mean, musicals can be very heavy, have lots of themes. Cats is not one of those musicals. So I think as a, like, a, you know, how old are you when you're in third grade? Like 10? You know, to go to a theater with your mom. It was yeah. like dressed up, like such an event. And then to be able to see this beautiful makeup. I yeah. mean, it was really my first like Broadway show. The makeup is truly stunning. And the sets and the, you know, and it's something that's as a young person, I could totally, yeah, I get this. This is about cats and nobody likes this one cat. And then the other cats are dancing and doing magic. I mean, it was, there was nothing to get. It asked nothing of me. Oh man, I'm really nervous about that. Keep us updated. So... I don't know. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. Also, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Did you hear about this? Yeah. The one-hour documentary? Yeah. About their first 100 days together. I don't care. Excuse me? Any documentary that's made about the royals. I thought you liked the royals. No, I I don't like the the wedding. Yes, I like the spectacles and I like the ceremonies. This is another spectacle. No, I hate when they tell stories about it because it's all so fake. I can't. I can't. Mm. I don't believe a single word that comes out of it. Interesting. It drives me crazy. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. I think what's going to be interesting is seeing them at Priyanka Chopra's wedding to Nick Jonas. Did you hear about that? No. He shut down Tiffany's to buy her a ring. And they're like best friends. So didn't that happen on that one Reese Witherspoon movie? Yeah. Oh yeah, it happened on Sweet Home Alabama. Yes, it did. Yuck! There's no authentic. There's no original <laughs> ideas anymore. <laughs> we see you, Nick Jonas. I mean, why not? Get in there. I, are you gonna watch the Meghan Markle Tiffany's, doc? Though could go to like Harry Winston or no, t- please. Tiffany's is the best. Are they? Some people might say. All right. All right. Um. Okay, well, I'm not watching that. Are you going to watch it? Maybe. Do the groundwork for us. Let us know how it is. I'll do that. I'll watch all the Diana stuff. I will take that on for us. Okay. I'll just give us a little update on how it is. I'm sure I'll watch it. Why not? Who cares? Glad to see it. I got an hour. (laughs) What's it being shown on, BBC? I'm sure it's like a Netflix. Nothing. No. I don't think it's a real thing. BBC? (laughs) We're going in for the past hundred days. (laughs) And this is Harry, where he grew up. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, a little, a little four-minute backstory. Then we get clips from the wedding. We get some behind-the-scene footage. We pop into an Oprah interview. I mean, I've scripted the whole thing in my brain. I've already seen it. It's great. You should just direct it. I probably already did. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love it. <sighs> what else is going on in your media world? Um, I read a book that really has shaken me up. In a big way. Oh, gosh. So <laughs> I already know where this I talked is about this book. I talked about this book like here and there. And it's called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And it's all about living in the present moment. Ken, have you ever read this book? No? Okay. Very good, I think. And the things I learned from it are okay. about the compulsive thinker and how we believe we can think our way through everything. Mm. And his whole thing is like, that's totally normal. And it's like told to us in our culture that we have to have the rational mind and we have like, there's always a logical next step. Everything's figure outable. Everything's figure outable. Um, and he's like, that's fundamentally not true. So compulsive thinking is when you're like basically chasing your tail in your mind and you just keep going over the same things again mm. and you're in a period of stagnation. Yeah. So this then ties to the idea of the egoic mind, which is attached to your ego, of course, and it is obsessed with the past or the future, 
but it does not live in the present moment. So the ego is like, who am I? What has led me to this? Who, like, where is my de- identity center? It's a pride thing. Right. So it's very centered on the past. Mm-hmm. And then where am I going? What do I want to be? Where is the salvation for me? So very much future oriented. But it never, it doesn't exist in the present because it feeds off of insecurities and mm-hmm. it feeds off of the what if. The what ifs. Then there's the pain body and how everybody holds a pain body and it's how you it's how you deal with it basically I like that he acknowledges in the book that women have a stronger pain body yeah it's really essential <laughs> because that's the only time he names women which makes me so mad he's quoting yeah. all of these men out the wazoo and I'm like um there are some like amazing women who have talked about this in not so many words mm-hmm. anyways the pain body um so how the how pain becomes as much of a part of identity that we reject forms of healing because we mm. want to remain intact. So it's the notion that wow, your wow, pain wow. can become so strongly rooted in where you find yourself. Yeah, your center. That you get, like you literally are happy being un- unhappy mm-hmm. because if you were to seek out a different way of being, you would fall apart. Wow. And so it's this way of keeping yourself down and keeping yourself in the past or in the future in what's not working. You're not living in the present moment. And he has really interesting notions about forgiveness as well, which is really helpful for me um, in the sense that we talk about forgiveness as a buzzword all the time. And it's like, you have to forgive, you have to let go, you have to surrender. And I think what I appreciated him saying is like, the idea of forgiveness becomes irrelevant when you realize that anything you did or anything that was done to you is in the past. Mm. It is completely unchangeable. And you can feel good about it. You can feel bad about it. You can feel sad about it. You can feel all the ways, but it doesn't change what happened. And so his idea is like, call it what you want. Call that closure like what you need to call it because forgiveness can sometimes be a very triggering word for people. Um, But just know that like this moment is the one that matters, which we hear all the time, but we don't oftentimes understand what that means. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying is like, when you attach yourself to the past, to a moment of pain or to a moment where you you did wrong or wrong was done unto you, um, he's saying that that's ego. You're, you're making yourself stay in a state that's like prideful and, but that happened to me, so I can't do this. And so his whole thing is like surrendering to the idea that what if forgiveness didn't exist and you just got to move on from this point forward, mm-hmm. which is like incredible. Yeah. And an idea I'm still like kind of processing with. Well, that's like the Martha Beck I sent you the yes. the podcast of very similar of like, well, how could this have happened to me? Like yeah. that narrative around the ego of like, you know, this can happen. You know, th- it, it's okay for other people to get sick or have their heart broken or get divorced, but that would never happen to me. And so when those big moments happen, you know, n- having kind of resentment in mm-hmm. the fact that I think I think that's hard for sure of like, oh, like we need to accept that this happened. <laughs> yeah. And then be able to to move forward. Yeah. It was so much. And I feel like when I finished the book, I needed to go back to the beginning and read it again. Because I was just like, whoa, that yeah. was a lot of information. And I will say with self-help, it's always a thing like some of it works, some of it's not helpful. This book came to me at a time when I absolutely needed it. And mm-hmm. it named things for me that I feel like I'm going through right now. So I just, I aligned with it in a big way because of where I'm at in my processing. But you have to find what works for you. It's like take bits and pieces here and there. He's a he's 
put out a lot of books. He's put out a lot of material. He's one of Oprah's favorites. So Mm -hmm. I recommend if you're kind of, if any of these ideas resonate with you, Betty's like check out podcasts, check out kind of whatever form you like to get this information in. For sure. Yeah. Uh, RuPaul listens to him while he's going to bed because he thinks the subconscious just Mm. to get it, get those ideas and those thoughts and those feelings kind of like to sink into your brain. Yeah. Um, I, I think I listened to his audiobook of The Power of Now and when I was doing a lot of traveling last year, but the, his voice is so methodical yeah. and slow that it was very hard to yeah. get through. And so I think I'll have to pick up the book to, to finish it because yeah. I think I only got halfway through. And there were a couple of parts, I'll be honest, that I kind of like skimmed a little bit. Sure, you I know, just, take what you need. Like, I don't move really it on. need to hear this. Yeah. Actually, I have a... Um, a Brene Brown question for you. Oh, yeah. I am the expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I was listening to, you know, uh, more of our spiritual, you know, th- healers, thinkers, you know, an Oprah podcast this, for the Super Soul Conversations. And she was talking a lot about, like, the power of sharing a story while you're in pain. Yeah. But I was feeling a lot of resistance overhearing it because I was like, I also don't like it when people share before they're ready. And I feel like we feel like as a culture, we have to like name things and stamp them and post about them the second that they happen. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Renee Brown said you should share it in pain. She was saying we don't often have stories or experiences of people who are going through something and being honest and authentic about. And maybe it was more about being where you're at. Yeah. But there was a storytelling narrative that was tied to it that made me kind of uncomfortable. And I was like, maybe I'm missing what the point of this is. That's so interesting because when I read um, Braving the Wilderness, she talks about how, you know, somebody asked her, how are you able to be so authentic and how are you able to be so honest about your experiences? And she's like, there is nothing I'm sharing, whether it's, you know, the written word, whether it's on a podcast, an interview, whatever. There's nothing I'm telling you that I haven't already processed with at least my therapist and at least my husband. Mm -hmm. And so she, as I remember her, maybe this is, she's, yeah, maybe she's talking about it in a different context, but she advocates greatly for not looking to an audience to resolve something for you, Mm. which is a lot of what I think goes on on social media right now is Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me going Give through me this thing. Give me the validation thing. of Give this. me the validation that, oh my God, it is so hard and look at you, so you're a fighter. So that I can pretend to heal Correct. overnight and not really Correct. do the work to actually have to do it. Because for her, the thing about sharing a story is that you have to come to a conclusion, mm-hmm. which she said, a lot of pain is rooted in trauma and trauma doesn't have a conclusion. Mm-hmm. You have to, it's a, it's a soul work process to find the closure for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think, so that's interesting that she's... Well, she was talking about rising strong, which is all about resilience. And I think she was talking about knowing that there's power in the vulnerability. Mm. I think that was where it was coming from. But um, I don't know, just something that came up for me. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. God, I love her. But I can't read a lot of her. It's interesting. I love her ideas and I love the interviews that she does with like Oprah and stuff. But um, I just read, maybe it was rising strong. Is that the one that just came out? Yes. Was like not into it. Never it read like, a book of hers. Feels like she wrote it in five minutes like with know, love. I feel like I know her. Braving already. the Wilderness was a big one for me, though. I like never that. read any Cheryl Strayed. I suck. Oh my god, you need to read Cheryl Strayed. I feel like I already know these women. I don't know why. I feel like I don't need to do the work, but you know what? I'm sure I'm, Sher- I'm saving Cheryl Strayed. I think for. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not going to talk about it, but okay. I am. I am saving her. Always. Anyway. It makes me nervous. Have I already talked about Silicon Valley? Yeah. At any point? Yeah. All right. It was a good season. I thought they had a great finale. Just want to. Doesn't need more Just space than that. Just want to name that one? Yeah. I, I can't remember that. if we talked about it already, but it's um, on my list. Are you going to watch list. Orange is the New Black? You know what? I just, I wrote on my notepad, Orange is the New Black, Black question mark. Oh. Question mark. I didn't see the last season, did you? Yes. Really? Yes. Is it still good? Is it bad? You know, I feel like once they made that little girl eat the mouse. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't remember that. The guard. Remember the guard who was like manipulating them all? Yeah. And was like making her eat the rat. I was like, I'm I'm not watching this anymore. Holy shit. I don't even remember that. Um, Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I feel like I'm on board with this show and they're bringing in some great new. I want to see Laverne members. Cox in other stuff. I love Laverne Cox. I know. Do you follow her on Instagram? No. She just totally redid her bathroom glam room. And then is posting like photos of her singing Beyonce in her underwear. Oh my God. It's a delight. I need to follow her immediately. Do you follow Busy Phillips? I don't. She's also a delight to follow on Instagram. What's she doing these days? She has a new talk show that she's going to come out with. Ooh. She has her own show. Um, and she's also writing a book. So she's letting everybody in on the process. Um, talk about telling a story as you're living it. She's letting everybody in and on the process of what that's like and how she's like why am I writing a book because I'm just like a famous celebrity and she's like there's no reason for me to be in like it's just like a lot of like Mm. toiling which is interesting when's Cheryl Strait gonna write that book about fame oh my god I need her to come out with new material I would read anything that woman wrote yeah I love her um one of the housewives is leaving yeah tell me about this Carol is bidding us adieu and I just found out today the news broke yesterday I'm I have very mixed feelings about this Proceed. Well, this season on in New York, her and Bethany have been having this epic battle. And you know when you have a fight with somebody and you guys are saying words, but you're not getting to the root of the conversation or the argument. So you continue. And this like happens with like our partners and like people we deeply care about. We're saying that we're hurt, but we can't name why. And so we end up having the same argument over and over and over again. And to watch these two women who who at one point deeply cared and were best friends, like duke it out. It's so. What are they fighting about? Well, that's the thing, Diana, is we don't even really have a grounding sense of what's really going on. It's almost like a bickering. And then Ugh. Carol is pulling away emotionally and Bethany is just crying in front of her. It's just it's like a total like mind fuck of like manipulation. And it's like we're not even arguing about anything. We're arguing about the argument. Okay. Anyway, Carol is like, oh, I'm out this season. Like, I'm done. And she's basically blaming the fight with Bethany and is like, I don't want to deal with this drama anymore. Like, this is your problem. And like, is kind of gaslighting her into like. I feel like that's self-advocacy. I feel like she's taking herself out of like not having to process shit on TV. <sighs> like, she doesn't owe anybody. Like, and she doesn't owe Bethany. Like, if, if this isn't going anywhere and it's stagnant, like, what is the point of staying? If there's nothing to say. I think there I think you can do whatever you want to do with your life, but don't blame your decisions on other people and don't do it publicly, especially after we've had this whole long year of turmoil. I would never go into the press and be like, I'm doing this because of you. But and they're you're all super like, petty and she's probably being told to do that for viewership, isn't she? 
Well, the way the her like press release wasn't, it didn't name it. It was just smarky. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? So it was almost worse because it wasn't like she was being like, you know, I can't deal with Bethany. She's such a bitch. It was like she was pretending to take the high road when she really was not. But then that gets to be a conversation point next season of like, oh, my God, can you imagine what Carol did? No, they're never going to talk about her again. She's going to be dead like in the like, water. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Listen, people can not be on reality shows. I don't care. But I don't think you have this very public fight with somebody where you're wrong. Like, basically, Bethany is crying in front of her. On TV, but maybe in behind closed doors, she's not doing that at all. Yeah, so we Carol don't know. feels gaslit by Bethany. Yeah, we don't know. And Carol's like, bye. Yeah, that, well, that's what's happening. Oh, man. It's very complicated. Yeah. And, and this is the narrative, too, is like, you're right. We don't know. Yeah. Is there something more? Is there something we don't know? Yeah. You know, have these women had conversations before, after, on screen? I mean, we don't know. And Bethany is like a very intense, opinionated person. So it's it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't. I will say if I were Carol's publicist, I would keep my mouth shut. I want to move on with the next chapter of my life. End of story. You don't have to throw anybody under the bus. It just doesn't make you look good. But is she worried about that? She's probably just like wanting to like speed that drama a little bit and be like moving on. Oh, yeah. Because she gets to just leave. She has the privilege of walking away. Right. And the whole thing now is like she's going to write a whole book about it. And it's going to be like a whole thing. And I don't know. I don't like it. Well, it reeks of like exploitation. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Who do you hope they replace her with? No idea. Not a clue. No. No, like, famous wives that you'd want to see on there? I mean, none of them are actually married on the show. Oh. They're all divorcees and widows, so none of them are housewives. I don't understand this show. I feel like I'm, like, coming at this so far from behind. I'm like, what is it, though? Yeah. What is it? I mean, what is it is a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, are there 50, 60-year-old socialites in New York that are divorced? I don't know. I'm sure there are. I would say, like, a million. Yeah, I'm sure there's a billion people. If Andy Cohen needs, yeah, if Andy Cohen needs help casting. I love Andy Cohen. I'm here for sure. Love it. Although they threw Tinsley in the this season, who's a bit younger. Tinsley Ellis. I don't know her last name. Who's Tinsley Ellis? Where did I pull that from? I don't know. I love that. She just tried on some wedding dresses, and she is not engaged. Oh God. And it was a big old mess with her mom. Anyway. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to do a serious deep dive of the Golden Girls. The time has come. The oh time my gosh. has come. Yes. I'm so far behind. And I and I was talking about this. So Umer's friend just had twins. Mm-hmm. And he named them Beatrice Rose. And what's the other? Not Blanche, but the other woman. They're all named. Sophia. They're all named Golden Girls names. And Amara's like, did you like, intentionally do this? And he's like, oh, my God, I've never seen a single frame of that TV show. He's like, that's so funny. So I'm like, you know what? How strange. I've never seen a single frame of this. I'm going to watch the Golden Girls. Yeah. And I'm really excited for it. It's fun. I haven't seen it in its entirety. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be I've able seen to most do like, front to back, but I probably will like do my best. It's fun. I'm excited for that. So Good I'll luck. report back. Thank you. Um, did you ever watch the new Reese Witherspoon Shine On show with Dolly Parton? Yeah, it was great. Now, what's the deal with this show? Do we have to pay for it? Was that a free preview? Yeah, it's on DirecTV, so you have to pay for it, which is, I can't help but feel like a bit of a mistake. Well, for that kind of format, it's not like a narrative content. I feel like 
just a talk show I don't want to pay for. Yeah. That's what I have the red table for. Yeah. I feel like she should have put it on Facebook. Yeah. It seems like a brand builder, not a moneymaker. Completely. And Hello Sunshine, their audience is so young. (sighs) I'm kind of wondering like what the strategy was with this. Well, I don't know. I mean, young women probably still care about pink and... No, you don't think so? Oh, no, no. I mean, like, paying for TV, nobody's doing it. So oh, putting yeah, it on direct yeah, TV yeah. is an interesting move. It's very strange to me that it got on that. But I still will watch all Well, maybe stuff. they'll release some at some point. Or I think they'll, it'll just be bits and pieces in the way that they've kind of I did really it enjoy the Dolly Parton episode, and I loved seeing her wardrobe. And yeah. you know what's interesting about Dolly Parton is no one has ever seen her husband publicly. He's, like, a secret. I love it. But that, like, he, like... Is around. I love the mystery of that. So fun. Yeah. Anything else on your list? Um, I, uh, as you were present for, testified in front of city council uh, a couple of moons ago mm-hmm. about the sexual harassment that I endured at my job as a perma freelancer um, and teamed up with the freelancers union to make a case that all freelancers should have HR protection. Um, I'm going to write an article about it for Feminist Wednesday. It was a very heavy day for me. I cried through the whole reading. I made Diana go for emotional support. Um, but yeah, that's just something that's in my notes. You were phenomenal. And so were the women that testified with you. Oh my God, the women. So powerful. Yeah, I was with four other women who shared their stories of, you know, harassment on all different scales. Yeah. Um, And it was also really interesting. None of it happened like in the present. Like these were stories that happened, you know, five, 10, um, you know, many years. Like it takes such a long time to process this information. And, you know, even I I haven't worked at that job for, I think it's like almost five, six years now. And like the trigger, the, the triggeringness of having to relive it and even say it out loud. I mean, I cried through my whole testimony. It was like, um, it's very harrowing to see people who can take the stand and really share their experiences. I think about like what happened with Brock Turner and um, the women who come forward and talk about their harassment that has happened over that's has spanned, you know, and it's it's really, really hard to do. Um, and I will say, I felt so grateful to be in a city like New York that every single council member came up af- to me after and said, thank you for sharing your story. We know how hard that was. And we hear you and we see you and, you know, the testimony of the people who it affects, um, it makes an impact. And I thought that was, I was like, had I been in any other state and had to, and had to not feel that support, I think that would have even made it more intense. Well, you wouldn't have done it. Probably not. I think that that's. Well, maybe. I feel a lot of guilt around not taking as much action in that, um, in that culture. And I know that, and it's really just a narrative of me shaming myself because I know I couldn't have done anything because our culture was so horrible. Um, But it is something now that I feel like if I can say something, I do want to, it's like something I'm trying to absolutely to be present for and allow myself the freedom to do. Yeah. You were amazing. And I was so happy to see, as you said, the support come out from the city councilors to all of you ladies afterward was really something to behold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope they pass that bill. I agree. I hope they do too. Keep you guys all posted. What are you looking forward to? What do you have upcoming? You know, I want to see uh, Filthy Rich Asians. I want to see the Mila Kunis 
movie about the spies, maybe. No? I'm not going to go, but yeah. I feel like there's a bunch of other movies that seem fun that are up and coming. I'm going to go see Mission Impossible. Oh, brother. <laughs> I am Kent so excited for this. Wow. <laughs> I've never seen, I don't know if I've seen any of them. Oh, really? Up to this point. They were good in the beginning. Yeah, I've totally missed Tom the whole Cruise franchise. Tom Cruise was hot in the first one. Absolutely. The one where he throws the sunglasses and they explode. Maybe. Love it. Um, I'm just really excited for it. And they've been hyping it for months and I'm on board. So What's I'm going to go What's going on it. with Tom Cruise? I mean, in <laughs> what way? I'm worried about him. Why? I don't know. Scientology is so scary. I yeah, think but... he's on the way up. I think he's trying to get away from that. Yeah. You do? Yeah, we talked about this, that he might be trying to distance himself. I think he's making it a part of his brand. I think it's ruining oh, his yeah. his brand and his credibility So I as a movie star. No, because I think I was like listening to this podcast review about Mission Impossible and they were talking about how, and this is kind of a hot take. This is not my opinion, but I would love to know like what we feel about this is he is known in obviously his public life as being such a crazy person, like mm-hmm. just like the couch jumping stereotype Tom Cruise that we all hear about. And in the Mission Impossible movies, he's constantly doing all these crazy stunts and like going for all these crazy things. And everybody's like, what are you, crazy? Like, you're the crazy guy. Ethan's crazy. Like, and he constantly has like built that into the, built it into the character. And so I'm wondering if that's like intentional of like the Tom Cruise crazy guy becomes the Tom Cruise action star. What does that have to do with Scientology? Because he's constantly talked about as being crazy in his personal life. Because you think Scientology is crazy? Well, people think Tom Cruise is crazy. He's talked about yeah, that. Yeah, but all I the think time. that's hurting him. Like, I think with the Mission Impossible and stuff. Like, I read an article that they like remove him from all the branding because they don't want people. People don't like him anymore. His face doesn't sell on movie posters anymore. So oh, I think there's I this disconnect. I think people do. I think you're right. I think they go. He's out of touch. He's you know into this wacky religion, mm. and I think it's hurting his brand. So I could see for financial reasons why he would, and for emotional because. We've all seen going clear, like how you would want to detangle yourself from that community. Wow. Don't come after me. At all. <laughs> Aaron's becoming a Scientologist. And Will Smith, guys. There's a lot going on there. The he's, worst. he's fun to follow on Instagram, too. I'm not going to follow into Will Smith. Why? He stresses me out. Why? Tell me more. I just He just seems like... I love like the Will... I love what he's done. I love like the career. I think it's like incredible the way that... I have a lot of respect for his trajectory in Hollywood, mm-hmm. but he just reads as like a really crazy shallow celebrity now to me. He stresses me out. I think you got to follow him on IG and give him a second chance. I don't think I do. I think you do. I think seeing him as a dad with Willow and is hysterical. Ugh. It's so cute and it's very grounding. And hearing him, at, and obviously this is coming from a red table place. Yeah. Hearing Jada <laughs> talk about the two of their upbringings and where they are now. Yeah, it's like, I have like, it's incredible. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Absolutely. I just don't need more of like celebrities on yachts doing like really whatever things. Ooh, doing whatever them. things. They're not doing Teaching anything. their kids how to scuba dive. Whatever, Diana. <laughs> Um, I have one final note that I feel like I'm falling in love with New York again this summer. Oh, yeah, that's nice. I feel like I'm having a great New York summer of just like walking up and down and like looking at like the gardens and just being like, look how beautiful you are, city. 
What a beautiful note. I feel like I did not feel that way last summer. So nope. I'm just making a <laughs> I think you have to go through that seven year itch of like hating where you are in all facets. I love that. As about the, renewal. As the moon shifts. So I couldn't help but wonder. Yeah. So I love it. Just naming that. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Erin. Yeah, guys, I'm ready to give tarot readings. So if you rate and review us on iTunes in the podcast, whatever, wherever they have to comment to give us a review, I shall give you a tarot reading. And Kent, thanks so much for spending your Wednesdays with us. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please email beavertalkpodcast at gmail.com. And happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday, Diana. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The The Bitch Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!